If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took them by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. 
On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus." But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it might spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But when Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened." For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. This is the word of the Lord. I'm just going to wrap up with a prayer now. <clears throat> and my name's uh, David. I'm the location pastor here at Kirkwood. For those of you who don't know me, um, so good to be with you. This is a long text, but an amazing story, right? It's an amazing story that uh, Luke, the author of Acts, has penned for us to, to glean from. And they say... And I don't know who they is, but they say that uh, if you really want to experience a story, if you want to immerse yourself in it, then you then you should picture yourself as being a part of it, and you should picture yourself like in in the scene, like watching this unfold. And so we have a few options of where you can insert yourself in this story. You could uh, insert yourself as the characters of Peter and John, who are like the heroes. Uh, you could insert yourself as the religious council, who are like the bad guys. Hopefully, that's not where you put yourself. Or you could insert yourself into uh, the crowd, the crowd of the ordinary. And, and I don't know about you, but when I put myself in this story, uh, that's where I place myself. I place my, myself into the, the crowd of the ordinary, looking on to see, to see these events unfold. I think about what it would be like. And, and uh, for me, uh, I don't know about you, but for me, it's, I'm more comfortable placing myself in the story there. Um, I'm... I've never been the best at anything. If you can say that about yourself, that you are the best at something, man, I'm impressed. I've never been the best at, at anything. So I'm never the top of my class, um, never the best at my position in sports, 
I, I ran cross country in high school, made varsity team, but the team consisted of, of eight positions and I was the eighth man on the team, which means I was the eighth slowest person on the varsity team or the slowest person on the varsity team. And oftentimes I interchanged that position with the fastest runner from the JV team. So I barely had my spot uh, on the varsity team, but I've, I've never been the uh, best at something. I did pass my boards. Uh, I got my license uh, got uh, as a physical therapy uh, uh, as a physical therapist. I you know I sat through the grueling uh, half day exam uh, and I passed uh, the second time I took it. Um, my school had like a ninety two percent pass rating for like the first time. I was in the eight percent of people who did not pass that test the first time. So I don't know, but I'm I'm ordinary. I'm not the best. I've, I've never been uh, the best. I'm, I'm just, I don't know what you think about me. If you don't know me, I don't know what you think about what my life's like, or, but I'm just, I'm an ordinary person. And, and I don't know how these stories and acts have provoked or what they've kind of brought out in you as we've, as we've read these amazing things that God is doing. But I know that if I try, like if I try to pluck myself out of the crowd of the ordinary and, and imagine for just a moment placing myself in the shoes of Peter and John. Like I, I try to, maybe if we even, if you could just imagine for me with a moment, like this story unfolding present day. So picture for me coming in Sunday morning and week in and week out. And perhaps every single Sunday, there was a man sitting in a wheelchair right outside at the foot of our steps. And you pass them every single week, every single Sunday, 52 Sundays out of the year, that person's there, that man's sitting there in his wheelchair year after year after year, because that's what it would have been like for this man. For all he'd known was being lame. All he, all he knew was being helped by his friends or family to this place to ask for money, to ask for food. And imagine walking into these doors, passing that person every week. And I can imagine that, you know, almost, it would almost become like routine. Like he'd almost become part of the the scenery that we see, and maybe we stop and chat with them every now and then. Maybe, maybe I stop and some Sundays give him something, but there he is. And imagine if you were walking up and you see this person, and it's just like any other Sunday, any other week, but all of a sudden something, something inside of you begins to quicken your heart. You feel this prompting. You feel something deep within it saying, tell him to stand. And I think about that. Like if that were me, if I was in that place, walking up to that person, I can just feel my heartbeat like in my ears. And, and if I'm honest, the thing that I think about, the thought that comes to my head when I try to put myself in this story, in that place is, I could never do that. I could never do that. I would be terrified to do that. I would be, I would, I would be, I would be thinking of every reason. If I felt that burden, I, I would be thinking of every single reason why I shouldn't do that. I would be thinking why I'm not the person to, because I'm ordinary. I'm ordinary. And I think the, the reality is that we all tell ourselves this. Like we, maybe that situation doesn't do it for you, but we can probably all of us think about a circumstance or something or someone that when you watch them do something, when you watch them, when you observe how they live or how they act or how they work, you look at them and you think, 
I can never do that. I can never talk like that. I can never pray like that. I can never sing like that. I can never lead like that. I can never talk to a, a stranger like that. I could never. I could never, because we, we place ourselves in the crowd of the onlookers. It's a little bit more comfortable there. It's where the ordinary people are. And we think to ourselves that we could never do that. Peter and John sound like unbelievable men. I mean, here's, here's a man lame from birth 40 years, 40 years. That's all that he knew. And Peter scoops him up. I mean, he doesn't politely ask for healing. He, he doesn't give some long-winded prayer, but he just says, get up. And he, it's almost like he wasn't even waiting for the healing. He takes his hand, he's pulling him to his feet. And what happens in this story is these crowds see this miracle and they're astonished and they're seeing this man that they recognize, that they know because he was this man who was sitting out there week after week after week. They all knew him and they couldn't believe it. And Peter seizes the moment. Not only does he perform this amazing miracle, but he seizes the moment and he preaches the gospel and he tells them about Jesus and thousands repent, thousands turn to Christ. And then they're arrested and then being arrested. I don't know what phase. I would be phased if I was arrested, but they're not even phased. And it says that as they stood before this council who literally had the authority to, to, to determine what would happen to them, to their physical life, their physical body. And it just says that Peter preaches the gospel again. He preaches the, he preaches. And so when I read the story, I think about Peter and John. These guys to me, they're like superstars right? They're, they're heroes. I mean, they are, they're unafraid. They're bold. I mean, these guys must have been the, the guys in high school that all the other kids wanted to be like, right? These guys are the ones who must have been uh, awarded like most likely to succeed, hottest in the office, like, right? That's who these guys are. They're just, they're just unafraid. They don't, they don't care what people are. They don't care what's going to happen, it seems. And and the thing that um, strikes me, though, is how verse 13 describes them. We're going to look at this. Look at how verse 13 describes these amazing men and says this. It says that they are uneducated and common. Uneducated and common is how it describes Peter and John. You know what another word for common is? Ordinary. I mean, if you're educated, you got one up on these guys. They're not even educated. Uneducated, ordinary men is, what, is how it describes him. In fact, they're so ordinary, and the deed that they did was so great that the people around them had this response. It says that they were astonished. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. They couldn't get past the fact that these guys were so unbelievably ordinary they don't have diplomas hanging on their wall, they don't have certificates lining their hallway. They don't have initials after their name telling you how important they are. They're just ordinary men. The, their background was a school of hard knocks. They were fishermen. They worked a dangerous job. Peter and John, in, in that day, all the children, all the Jewish children, they grew up studying the Torah, memorizing it. A lot of them had it completely memorized. 
And, and the best of the best at age 10, they were then, if you had the Torah, if you were the best student, you got selected by a rabbi. You got selected to follow someone. And everyone else was released to go do the work of their family, their trade, whatever it was. Peter and John were fishermen. They were not the best of the best. They weren't picked. They were overlooked. They were dismissed. They were fishermen, just blue collar workers. Peter was an unbelievably ordinary man with ordinary insecurities, with ordinary fears, with ordinary misconceptions. And when he stood before this council of religious leaders, they were astonished because they perceived that Peter was not extraordinary, but he was ordinary. And the mistake that we make, that I make, that you make, is that we come to this realization that we are not so amazing, that we are not so great, that we are not so eloquent, not so smart. And we can fall into a lie and believe that God doesn't have anything great for us to do because we aren't great people. We don't have any expectation that God would do or want to do anything great through us because we are unbelievably ordinary. The only problem with that thinking is it doesn't line up with the Bible. I mean, this is a really good, healthy, this is a really healthy practice when we think a certain way, when we believe something to stop and ask ourselves, does this line up with scripture? Because when I read the Bible, when I read through Old Testament, New Testament, story after story, what I read is I read stories of ordinary people doing unbelievable things because they believe in an unbelievable God. And this mindset of earning is a mindset of this, of this world. There is a kingdom of this world. When I say that, I'm just talking, there's this culture that we live in, the, the, the society that we live in. It's just, the, it's, it, this is, it's the kingdom of this world. And the way that this world works is it works based on performance. It's performance. You keep what you earn. You succeed. You want notoriety. You want recognition. You achieve. You put the time in. You sacrifice. You perform. You get a performance review at the end of every year. We're performance-based culture. This is what you do. This is how you succeed. And all of those things are true for how this world works. But the kingdom of God doesn't operate like this. The kingdom of God turns everything upside down. And so the kingdom of God says, guess what? In the kingdom, you receive without earning. It says you loved without behaving. It says you're gifted without succeeding, that you're brought in without achieving. That's what the gospel says. That's what Jesus says. That's why he can walk along and he can see Peter and John who are working uh, as fishermen and he can, he can draw them out and he can call them out. And he says, follow me. Because he's not operating with how this world works. The world has passed these guys over. These guys aren't the best, but he sees something different. And if you look at 1 Corinthians, uh, if you look at, uh, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 26 through 31, it says this. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose, God chose. If God's chosen you, raise your hand. If 
God's chosen you. Raise your hand. Okay, God's chosen you. This is what it says. God chose, you're going to regret raising your hand, what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God and because of him, not because we earned it, not because we've obtained it, not because we've believed it. It says, be, it says because of him, because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Everything that you have, this is the, everything that you have, everything you understand, everything that you can do, every ability you can demonstrate has been given to you by somebody else out of love for you, not because you earned it. Church, you, I, in love, I say this, you are unbelievably ordinary. You are unbelievably ordered. And I know that God has unbelievable things for you, for you personally to walk in because he is an unbelievable God. Because it's grace, right? It's grace. He gives, he fights, he makes a way where there is no way. He heals, he redeems. It's his kingdom. It's his kingdom. It's his absolute authority over the kingdom of this world. And he's chosen you. And yes, you are ordinary, but he is unbelievable and he can do anything at any time, whenever he wants. We have been called. We have been chosen. You raised your hand a minute. You have been chosen and you have been sent because God's not satisfied with the current condition of our world. He's not satisfied with the brokenness and the disbelief and the sin. One theologian writes, it's not the church's business in this world to simply make the present condition more bearable. It is not the church's business in this world to simply make the present condition more bearable. The task of the church is to release here on earth the redemptive work of God in Christ. You are the church. We are the church. We are called to release on earth the redemptive work of God in Christ. It's not a question of what you can do. It wasn't a question of what Peter and John could do. It's a question of who you're going to believe. That's really what it comes down to. Who are you going to believe? And will you open yourself up to allow God, allow God who can part the seas, who can shut the mouths of lions, who can walk on water, who can calm the storm, who can heal sickness, who can make the lame walk, will you allow yourself to be a conduit of his power in his presence? Can you set aside who you think you should be to allow Christ to show you who he has created you to be? Will you allow him to reveal how he has uniquely crafted you to be an expression of his character and love so that you may lead others to him? We have all been gifted. We have all been created. We all have good works laid before this. And though we are unique, we're unique. We're not all uniform. We're unique in our gifting. We have one purpose that overlays all this gifting, and that is to be a witness to Jesus Christ. We are all called to be a witness. We are all called 
to share. We are all called to testify. No matter how you're gifted, your gift is to create opportunities so that you may be an effective witness operating in his grace and not your strength. One of our um, church members, community group leaders, John Donjon, uh, was with me and others. We, there's, we pray every Wednesday morning. Just love, love to, for you to know, we pray every Wednesday morning at Gateway House of Prayer off Lindbergh. You're all invited. 6.30 to 7.30 in the morning. It's a, fan, it's a great time. We're there praying a couple weeks ago, and, and John uh, shares with the group. He said, hey, a couple months ago, I, 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 I had a dream about my coworkers. In this, in this dream, God spoke to John, and he just, his heart was gripped with like where his coworkers were going, where, where, what, what eternity had in store for them. And he kind of, God put his finger on this, kind of on John's heart when John realized he, you know, he didn't know. He didn't know. And so John goes to um, his boss and his boss is a Christian and John shares. He said, hey, I just would love the opportunity to share the gospel and share my testimony with, the co- with our coworkers. And his boss says, okay. And so they have a team meeting each month. The meeting comes, and guess what? The meeting's canceled, so no opportunity. And the next month it comes. John's still thinking about this, and he's gonna, the meeting happens, but the meeting runs, like, extremely late. Like, and so John's thinking. He said he's thinking no one's going to stay. No one's going to want to stay late after this meeting. It's already run late. Meeting ends. Boss says, hey, you're dismissed, but if you'd like to stay, John would like to share his story with us, what God's done. 15 coworkers stayed late to hear John share the gospel and to tell them what he had done in his life. Let me tell you something about John. John is an ordinary man who believes in an unbelievable God. I was eating breakfast with uh, Kurt McCutcheon and a few guys um, a couple weeks ago as well. And uh, our server, uh, we kind of have breakfast in the same spot and we've gotten to know our server, Ashley. She's always there. And um, she comes, takes our order, and all of a sudden, Kurt pipes up. He says, hey, Ashley, I just want you to know, I just feel like God telling me that he loves you, and, you know, he has good things for you. No fireworks, no lame man standing up and walking. But let me tell you why I love this. I love this. Because here's a girl who's just, it's just a normal day at the office, table to table, doing her thing, everyday routine, but God so wants her to know that he knows her and sees her. He speaks to Kurt to interrupt her day to tell her that God loves her. Kurt is an ordinary man who believes in an unbelievable God. There's a Facebook group some have started. It's called the, um, the Axe Challenge. Love for you guys to get on this. Um, the Acts challenge. Some people just were provoked by what we've been reading in Acts, and they thought we can encourage each other. Let's get on the. Let's get in here. Let's, inc- let's share stories. Let's share wins. Let's share who we're praying for, and when we get to share the gospel. And um, I've been so encouraged reading some of the stories, people sharing the gospel on there. And I read this. Uh, I read this the other day. Anna from Anna Stanley. She's one of our church members that attends our city location. And Anna wrote this. She says. Hey guys, Elijah, her husband, and I would like to ask you guys to join with us as we pray for three women we've met in our neighborhood. They feel to me like they are very far off from God. They're all addicted to drugs and sadly being exploited to provide for others. However, Elijah and I believe 
that they are not out of God's reach. Unfortunately, every contact we've made with them has been when they're strung out. So any prayers we've prayed for them or conversations we've had with them have been forgotten. Would you please pray that we would continue to make contact with them? They live a very transient lifestyle and it's difficult to find them. Two, that God would give us opportunities to serve and bless them. And three, that they would be brought into the family of our father. Anna doesn't have diplomas lining her wall of how to help people who have substance abuse or who have been trafficked. She doesn't have degrees hanging in her bedroom. What she is is she's an ordinary woman who believes in an unbelievable God. God has good works for you to walk in so that he can work through you in unbelievably ordinary people that we are, that he can work through us so that he can put on display how unbelievable that he is. If you want to walk in those things here, there's some things that I want to encourage you to do, okay? First, first thing that you must do if you want to walk in this, first, receive and believe what God says about you. Receive and believe what God says about you. I don't know what, you, what banner is written over your life. I don't know what thoughts come into your head. But we have to come back to this place of believing what God says that we are. And this might involve repentance, admitting to God that we've believed something about ourselves that isn't true. There may be something that we've elevated over his words that we've let reign in our life. We must believe what God says. Secondly, we need to receive and believe the Holy Spirit. What does it say about Peter and John? It says they were common, they were uneducated, but they had been with Jesus. Jesus left so that the Holy Spirit could come, so that we could have life with the Spirit so that people might observe us and observe that we have been with God. He is our helper. He speaks truth to us. We are, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we don't want to just put him in a box of this. We had some experience or encounter this one time. No, he, we got the scripture. God wants us to have a life walking with the Spirit, being continually filled with the Spirit because we can't do this. We can't do this in our own strength, in our own knowledge, in our own talents. We can't. It says Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, proclaim the gospel. We need, you need to be, we need to be desperate for the Holy Spirit. We need to be waking up and start, Holy Spirit, I need you today. Be with me today. Empower me today. We need to walk with him. I just want to encourage you, don't leave today. We're going to have this opportunity to pray for you. Don't leave today without being prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit. And third, be a witness, Okay. Here's one thing that you can, the others, receive and believe, receive and believe, be a witness. Share your story. There are countless times, there are countless thoughts, there are countless lies that I've had that have discouraged me from taking the simple step of sharing my faith with someone else, of simply just saying to someone, you know what, I am this way 
because God's made me that way. Peter, when you think about this story, how many salvations would they have had that day if Peter never would have shared the gospel? Probably none. People would have been amazed. They would have been perplexed. Maybe some of them would have gone, like, there is something outside of this physical world. This guy was lame and now he's healed. We don't know why. But because Peter took the opportunity that his gifting created, he shared the gospel and people turned to Jesus. People need us to share our stories. They need to know that there is a God in heaven who loves them. We need to interrupt their day with the simple truth that God made them, is for them, and loves them. We have to share our story. Can we just stand together? I want to pray for us. I'm going to invite the band to come up. We're going to pray. And I really want us to, I just really want to pray for us to just receive um, so much of this truth that's hidden in this message, so much of walking with the Spirit is a putting to death a lies that we believe about ourselves, voices that are not God's voice being the loudest voice in our life. I mean, even thinking about Chelsea's uh, word, because she didn't know what I'm speaking on today. I mean, this is what God, God's speaking. And, you know, you might have identified with what Chelsea shared, this picture of like, here's, we're in this war, but we're turned to the side, we're distracted. There might be something in your life that's distracting you could be comfort. It could just be a lot. I mean, it just could be this thought that you could never do this. You could never do this. I so want to put that to death. I so want to put that to death in my life. I so want to see you put that to death in your life. You could never, because we can put that to death because it's just not about us. It's about taking our eyes off of ourselves and placing them on God and who he is and how great he is and how good he is and how faithful he is. And in that place, Guys, the church becomes a very dangerous thing. It becomes a very radical thing. When we take our eyes, we set them, and we look to who God says we are and what he says he can do. Guys, we want to be a blessing to this city. We want to serve this city. We want people to know the name of Jesus. It's going to come on the heels of us turning our eyes off ourselves and putting them on him.